Good morning. Welcome to worship at Northminster Church this morning on this special day as we officially uh, install Reverend Jillian Hankammer as our senior pastor. Whether you're here in person or viewing the service over our YouTube channel, we're so glad that you are with us this morning. And if you're visiting with us, we offer you a special welcome, and we hope that you'll participate in all aspects of our service this morning. And that, if you're here in person, that includes communion. This is God's table, open to all people, and we invite all to participate. Just follow the instructions that you'll find in the order of worship. Next Sunday, following worship, we will have baptism in the bayou. We hope the bayou's still warm. Uh, <laughs> more about that in next week's newsletter. And we welcome several guests this morning who will be participating in our service. Meredith Stone, Executive Director of the Baptist Women in Ministry, coming to us from Waco, Texas. Dejon Campbell, Director of Development uh, of the Alliance of Baptists, coming flying in this morning from Dallas. Uh, and Mike Rhymes, there's Mike, uh, <laughs> past president of Temple B'nai Israel. As, as many of you know, most of you probably know, we have a long history with Temple B'nai Israel. When we got started as a church uh, and we didn't have a place to meet, uh, by their gracious hospitality, we met in their synagogue for three years almost. So we very definitely appreciate our relationship with, uh, with Temple B'nai Israel and we appreciate all of you being with us this morning. You may have seen in this week's newsletter that in the interest of time, we will not have the traditional laying on of hands in the service this morning. I know some of you are disappointed. Uh, some of you may have brought notes in advance uh, to, to, to recognize your blessing to Jillian, and for all the rest of us, there are little pieces of paper in your order of worship uh, and please find some time, if you haven't already, to write a word or words of blessing to Jillian. You can sign it or not sign it, whatever. Uh, but uh, there's some pens in the back if you need a pen. And uh, when you come forward for communion, you'll see there's that receptacle, glass receptacle there. You can drop your uh, notes in the receptacle, and Jillian will appreciate hearing from you. Because this is a special and important time this morning, we're ending the service with the choir presenting John Rutter's majestic uh, Te Deum, and the choir will not recess following that. So that will be the end of the service. Also, we're likely to run a little late uh, today, but don't worry about having to rush off to lunch because Catfish Charlie's is bringing lunch to us. Uh, the pastor search committee is happy to host lunch for everyone following worship, and we hope that you will all stay and enjoy a good time of food, table fellowship, and celebration. And thanks to all of, the, all of our folks who made desserts. We, you know, Northminster folks are great dessert makers, so we, we did make desserts, and we'll have lots of desserts as well. There are tables and chairs set up in most of the rooms of the educational space, so lots of, of places to sit, and a few places outside under the trees at the south end of the building. And after lunch, we hope that a few of you will stay and help move tables and chairs back to, to the storage building. We're thankful, as always, to our flower committee, uh, particularly this morning to Peggy Caskey and Robert Crawford for the beautiful arrangements of flowers on the chancel and in the narthex. And after lunch, 
please feel free to take some flowers to brighten yours or someone else's week. And as always, please review the order of uh, the insert in the order of worship for other announcements and opportunities or check out the newsletter. We welcome Kyle and Jane Childress. Where's Jane? Here she is. Uh, this morning uh, to worship with us, Kyle has been invited by Jillian to preach her uh, installation sermon since 1989 when Northminster was founded. Uh, Kyle was, has been the pastor of Austin Heights Baptist Church in Nacogdoches, Texas, and he was Jillian's pastor during her growing up years there. So I suspect we'll hear a few Jillian stories this morning in the sermon. Kyle has a long and impressive resume that you will find in this past week's newsletter. For now, suffice it to say, he is a kindred spirit with us. Kyle and Jane, we welcome you to Northminster this morning. Now let us worship God together. Please join me in the call to worship. Here in this place, God welcomes dreamers as well as doubters. Here in this time, we remember all the ways God loves us. Here, we seek to be daring enough to step out of comfort into the unknown. Thanks be to God of belonging.
Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everybody. There we go. Okay, awesome. Well, my name is uh, Dejon Campbell, and I am uh, the Director of Development for the Alliance of Baptists. As Craig mentioned, I made the long um, journey of the 46-minute flight from Dallas. Um, long, long flight. And uh, in my role, I get to travel around the country and meet different pastors and see different churches and be a part of amazing celebrations like this. And I'm cool with flying, I really am. But the one thing that I do not like is the turbulence part, which I feel like I experience every time I get on a flight. And um, I was making a trip to another church uh, last week and the turbulence was really bad. I mean, to the point where I thought the plane was just about to uh, to go down, and the guy I was sitting next to was extremely calm, like extremely calm. And I'm like, this guy is crazy, or maybe he had like a lot of wine, and maybe that's what <laughs> has him really calm. And I looked over at him when we landed, and I said, man, how were you so calm during the turbulence? And he said, you know what? I had a chance to meet the pilot before the flight, and I had a conversation with the pilot. And he told me that you know, all the different trips that he had taken. And so there was a level of trust that I had with that pilot because I knew who he was and I knew what he had been through. And I was able to sit knowing that he had control of the flight. And so to you, Reverend Jillian, as you take this journey, as you step into this next chapter as senior pastor, I know that you know who the pilot of your life is. I know that you know that God has everything in control. And I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. Uh, there are going to be times when people are going to get on your nerves as a pastor. <laughs> Trust me, I know firsthand, okay. But there are going to be moments of, of great joy. Um, and so as you take this journey, know that God is with you. On behalf of the Alliance of Baptists, we are with you. We have your back. Anytime I need to come to Monroe, I will be here on that 46-minute flight. <laughs> And know that we're praying for you, know that we love you, and we are so proud of what God is doing in your life, and we are looking forward to what God is going to do as you go on this journey. You have some great passengers on this journey with you, and the Alliance of Baptists is one of them. God bless you. Thank you all. My name is Meredith Stone, and I serve as Executive Director for Baptist Women in Ministry. We're a nationwide organization that exists to support women serving in and who are called to ministry and to advocate for the full affirmation of women in ministry and Baptist life. And while I know that for you, a congregation connected with Baptists, that it was not even a question that you would call a woman to be your senior pastor, you have to know that that is still a rarity in Baptist life. Our organization keeps statistics on women serving in various roles uh, among Baptist groups. And every five years we release what we call the State of Women in Baptist Life Report in order to serve as a metric and motivator for progress in these areas for Baptists. And so one of the statistics that we keep is the number of women serving as pastors and co-pastors of congregations that are connected to various Baptist groups, including Alliance of Baptists, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, American Baptist Churches USA, and several more. And so this past summer, we released an updated State of Women of Baptist Life report featuring statistics from the fall of 2021. And there was only one 
woman serving as a pastor or co-pastor of a Baptist-connected congregation in Louisiana. And now there are two. <laughs> it's a 100% increase. Yes. <laughs> so that is why it is a great privilege for me here to be here with you today. Women in ministry among Baptists still face a difficult ro road, still overlooked, still discriminated against. But because of you, we have hope. Because of churches like Northminster Church and gifted pastors like Jillian Hankamer, we have hope that together we can build a Baptist world where women and ministry will thrive. So with justice-seeking power, may God increase your tribe. Good morning. I'm, I'm Mike Rimes, past president of Congregation B'nai Israel. On behalf of Congregation B'nai Israel and Rabbi Judy Ginsburg, greetings to the Congregation of Northminster Church, guests, Reverends Gaddy and Hankamer, on this occasion of the investiture of Reverend Hankamer. The association of our congregation, as Craig mentioned, has been long. Uh, when Northminster first formed, y'all used our synagogue uh, facilities on Sundays. Our Sabbath, as you know, ends on Saturday at sundown, and we weren't using our synagogue on Sunday, so you were more than welcome. Maybe God had a plan when he gave us different Sabbaths, an opportunity to do his will by sharing. And we will never forget the use of your sanctuary one very hot Yom Kippur when our air conditioning went out. You have been there for us, and we hope we've been there for you. Over the years, our congregation has joined in many joyous events, like today, and in sorrowful events, like September 11, 2001, and in memory of the victims of the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. But there's always been more joy than sorrow. Today, we join in great joy to welcome Reverend Jillian and her husband, Eric, to our community. We have a prayer in Hebrew, Baruch Atadonai, Elheinu Melkolam, Shehekienu Vyekimeno, Vihigala, Lazman, Hazay, Amen, which means thanks. Thank you, God, for bringing us to this day in this joyous occasion. As they begin their ministry, we ask God's blessings for them. May their ministry be blessed with great learning and great teaching. May their ministry be blessed with peace and the brotherhood and sisterhood of all those who seek God's doctrines. May their ministry be blessed with the work of tikkun olam, the repair of a broken world. And most of all, may they be personally blessed with great joy and happiness. Amen. Good morning. I had the privilege of serving with a wonderful group of people on the Pastor Search Committee. Most of you know that was a very long process but it was, it was definitely worth the wait. Um, so I have a short prayer of thanksgiving and blessing for Jillian. Living God, our creator and sustainer, for all of the patience and discernment that led to this day of new beginnings, we give thanks. For the winding path that led Jillian and Northminster together, we give thanks. Thank you for those lives that laid the foundation for Jillian's ministry. May we walk with her and honor them as she continues that ministry. 
We give thanks for those who had the vision to create this community of faith where all are welcomed and loved. May we continue to fulfill that vision in new, beautiful ways as we walk in partnership together with Jillian's leadership. Jillian, may you be blessed with the creativity to turn problems into opportunity. May you be blessed with the love and support of this congregation so that you may know you are never alone in this journey. And may we all be blessed with the spirit of God's love so we can seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly together always. Amen. Pastor Julian, you have blessed us by coming uh, to be Northminster Church. Not to be a hired employee, not to try to be the church yourself, but with your spiritual calling and personal gifts, you will lead us with holistic spirituality. I know you will walk by our sides with whether in tears or in laughter. You will strengthen our community as well as our congregation, assuring that Northminster Church is really a church. These people will love you. Jillian, and, and I know you well enough already to know you came here eager to love us. Julian, you have blessed us and reciprocally we want to bless you. To find the time to prepare a sermon when sermons seem to come five days a week. <laughs> to see what we don't see and hear what we have not heard. To embrace the courage to speak truth to us knowing that not all of us will like what you say, even when you are sharing words drawn from Holy Scriptures, to find time to laugh healthily even during weeks when you have ministered to hurting people whose tears are still damp on your shoulders, to feel no fear of saying, I don't know, or I can't always explain God's ways to make time for you and Eric alone and to never allow yourself to become married to the church no matter how much you are committed to the church. With thanksgiving, as well as blessing, we believe, as you believe, that you are in the right place. Bless you, Julian.
A reading from Isaiah. The Eternal One said to Jacob, Remember who created you, O Jacob? Who shaped you, O Israel? See, you have nothing to fear. I, who made you, will take you back. I have chosen you, named you as my own. When you face stormy seas, I will be there with you with endurance and calm. You will not be engulfed in raging rivers. If it seems like you're walking through fire with flames licking at your limbs, keep going. You won't be burned because I, the Eternal One, am your God. I am the Holy One of Israel and I will save you. I have traded in nations to win you back, Egypt, Cush, and Seba, in exchange for your freedom because you are special to me and I love you. I, I gladly give up other peoples in exchange for you. They are trivial by comparison to your weighty significance. So don't be afraid. I am here. I will reunite you with your children, bringing them back from wherever in the world they are, east, west, north, or south. No place will be able to hold you when I demand your release, when I order them. Bring my children, my sons and my daughters from far away. Bring the ones who are called by my name, the ones I made, shaped, and created for my profound glory. A reminder of who and whose we are. Thanks be to God.
Please hear this reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, Jesus went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. The Gospel of our Lord. from your sisters and brothers who are named Austin Heights Baptist Church in Nacogdoches, Texas. I've been there as the pastor since 1989. Jane and I are glad to be with you. We've worked alongside of you in many ways over the years. We've been to Alliance of Baptist organizing meetings in one kind of event or another. We've done youth camp and children's camp together uh, we know well and remember well the spectacular youth camp worship services or children's camps with Don and Kathy Nixon. Uh, those of us who remember those still talk about those. Uh, we knew, Jane and I knew Don and Kathy back when they were in Houston before they came here and, and loved them. I've known Craig Henry since back in the 90s when we were uh, working at the Alliance of Baptists on the board together. And I'm a longtime fan and admirer of Welton Gaddy. He went to Broadway Baptist in Fort Worth about the time I was finishing Baylor and a little later when I was a rural church pastor in Central Texas, young and trying to find my preaching voice. Welton was the chaplain at Mercer University and he would send out his sermons on a subscription service and I received them. And I just need to say, those Central Texas farmers had great patience with all of my Mercer University references in these strange <laughs> sermons they were hearing. It is an honor to be here for Jillian's installation. She was eight or nine years old when her family joined Austin Heights we went on mission trips together. We were in Navajo country, uh, Shiprock, New Mexico, with Broadway Baptist in Fort Worth, uh, working with them. And she had a tent. Now, she was a teenager. She had a tent that was as big as this sanctuary. <laughs> it was a family tent, but it was the only tent they had. And so she brought it. We set it up. Then, of course, in about two days, there was one of those sandstorms out in the desert that blew the tent away. Uh, we ran and got it and put it back up. We, I remember reading or listening to y'all read while I drove. Uh, y'all read the novel Holes in the car with our two young girls and you and Jane. She preached her first sermon at Austin Heights when she was 12 or 13 years old. And you need to know, and you should, you're not surprised, it was a better sermon 
coming from this 13-year-old uh, little girl. It was a better sermon than sermons Welton we've heard from veteran preachers who have been at it for 20 years. <laughs> and I have admired and followed her ministry over the years ever since. It's an honor to be here, Eric and Jillian and Northminster Church. Let's pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Now, our gospel lesson, they read a portion of it a moment ago. Jesus has just fed over 5,000 men plus women and children. He sends the disciples ahead to the other side of the Sea of Galilee by boat. The story goes on, and he goes off to a alone to pray. Now as the story continues, later that night when the disciples are a good way out at sea, a storm comes up. Um, wind blowing, rain, waves threatening to swamp the boat, the disciples are terrified. Now remember, think about this, when you come upon uh, these kinds of stories in the Bible, the Bible's operating on multiple levels for all of us. So for example, the church at the time of Matthew was a very small and certainly not powerful uh, gathering of believers. By the time of Matthew, uh, they were going through various kinds of persecution. To put it differently, the church of Matthew was in a storm. Further, remember that they saw themselves as a boat, often a reminder of being a faithful remnant God had saved in Noah's ark. The early church fathers called the church the ark of salvation, and the Latin word for ship is navis. We get our words navy and navigate from. It's the root word for nave. This sanctuary up to the chancel is called a nave. And it's the name for this, uh, for a, especially for a building like this in church history, where the beams and uh, the vaulted ceiling is a reminder of being in an upside-down boat. So when the disciples are in a boat, they're not simply in a boat in this story. This is the church. And in this story, it's an image of the church in a storm. Now remember, while we're also on this subject, in the Bible, whenever you see a storm, it's not just a storm. Darkness and water, the chaotic forces that God pushed back when the earth was created in Genesis chapter 1. So whenever the clouds uh, come and gather, wind picks up, it's dark and stormy, the rain starts, it's, it's not just a storm. It's as if creation itself is being threatened, as if God's reign over the world is being contested and in these gospel stories, all through the gospels, Jesus battles the powers that rebel against God, disease and illness and injustice and hunger and demons, even the elemental powers of the deep, the wind and the rain and the waves. So these gospel stories are always asking who rules? Does God rule or the power of death and chaos rule? Storm's been going on through the night. The boat has been taking on water and things look bad. Early in the morning hours, when things seem most bleak and despair rears its ugly head, 
comes Jesus, he comes walking across the water to fear-filled and probably exhausted disciples. They see him coming and they cry out all the more, not sure if it's him or if it's a ghost. The storm scares them. Jesus scares them and calls to them, don't be afraid, take courage. Of course, what happens next is sort of odd, but at the same time, sort of true to form. Peter, good old impulsive, impetuous, spontaneous Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, okay, come on. <laughs> Peter climbs overboard, takes a few steps on the water, all the while keeping his eyes on Jesus, but the wind is blowing in his face. The waves are hitting him, and he takes his eyes from Jesus looks down, and as somebody said to me a long time ago, when Jesus called him the rock, maybe that meant that old Peter went down like a rock. <laughs> now, of course, those of us who've been hearing this story for years know that it's Peter's amazing faith, his extraordinary trust in Jesus, which compelled him to jump out of the boat into the storm, and all of this is true. But let's think about some of the rest of the story, and maybe... Part of the story is that he did not have enough faith. In fact, look back at what Peter said before he got out of the boat, and there's a clue the kind of faith Peter had. Jesus was first seen walking toward them across the water, and Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Lord, if. How many times have we heard that, or how many times have we said it? Lord, if you're the Son of God. Pull my fat out of the fire one more time. <laughs> oh, Lord, if you're the Son of God, please prove it to me this time. And then, of course, maybe Peter is saying, Lord, look, you know, let's be honest here. I'm the leading disciple, the real rock of the church, as you've said, while others sit back and worry. I'm a hero. I'm a leader. I really believe that you call, that you call us to take big steps of faith, and I'm taking the risk of faith and I'm going to step out of the boat. And Jesus would have been utterly justified in saying, Peter, lighten up. <laughs> You're one of the disciples. Forget the heroics. Get back in the boat. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is patient even if Peter's not, and maybe Jesus knows what Peter really needs. So Jesus says, okay, Peter, come on. And then, of course, Peter walks out, ventures forth, says, look at me, I'm walking on water. And then he begins to sink, and he changes to, Lord, save me, I'm sinking. What am I doing out here? I can't believe how stupid I was. Please save me. Now, maybe that's what Peter needed and what Jesus needed to hear from him. Lord, save me, I can't do this on my own, no matter how much faith, I can't do this on my own. And Jesus does save him. He says, oh, little faith. Now, it's usually translated, oh, you of little faith. But it could be translated as if Jesus is renaming Peter. He was called the rock. Maybe he's now being called little faith. As in, little faith, why did you doubt? Now, I don't know, but I wonder about Peter's doubt. Maybe it was not so much the doubt he had when he first felt the wind and the waves. Maybe his doubt was in his demand of Jesus in the first place. Little faith, why didn't you have enough faith to stay seated in the boat with others 
and then let me come to you. Why didn't you wait on me and my timing instead of you trying to come to me on your timing? Peter, why didn't you trust me to come to you in the storm and get in the boat with you? You have to learn to wait in the boat. I'll be with you. I'll always be with you in the storms. Now Jesus only rebukes Peter for his lack of faith. He never says a word to the other disciples, the ones who did not attempt spectacular spirituality. He just comes and gets into the boat with them and then there's great calm as the storm ends. Now what if great faith, perhaps even a greater faith than walking on water, is the faith to stay in the boat? What if we're called to be calm and patient in the storms, learning to wait on Jesus? What if discipleship is the unheroic but solid conviction that keeps us in the boat, rowing, bailing the water, encouraging other disciples, and all of this in the middle of the storm? And you know, folks, you know there are more storms coming. Y'all have already dealt with lots of hurricanes. We get some of that. But there's all kinds of storms. Perhaps great faith is that patient trust that we don't have to get out of the boat and walk to Jesus. In good time, at the right time, he'll come to us. And in all of this, we do it together. To change the analogy a bit, sometimes many churches like ours, mine and yours, sometimes we can be a little bit bipolar. We swing between lethargy and preoccupation, distraction with other things, and we're just not very active at church, in church, with church. Or we go the other extreme where we are motivated and energized and we're organized to do something big. We're either in the harbor with the boat anchored or we're in the middle of a raging storm out in the middle of the sea and decide, well, let's just try to walk on water too. But healthy congregations stay with it during the in-between times. We show up, we do the menial tasks of worshiping and praying and forgiving and giving sacrificially with our money, teaching, being a student of scripture and the faith and volunteering, working with refugees, working with your partner church in Cuba and on and on and on, day in, day out, it's not spectacular, and it's not heroic. It's just getting in the boat when Jesus tells us, rowing together to the other side where he says he'll meet us. Now, there are times for heroic risk, but let's not confuse heroic risk for impatience, our habits of not being able to sit and wait. We live in a society which encourages frantic activity and hypermobility. We love to get it done multitasker. And my guess is that if I go to you in this congregation and say, how are y'all doing? Your answer will be busy. Now, I am not suggesting that you should not be courageous. Think about it. The courageous church gets in the boat rose to the other side in the middle of the storms. Meanwhile, there are hundreds of churches sitting in the safe harbors, anchors down, 
while looking to see if the storms will pass or not and debating whether they ought to venture out into the deep water far from shore. So in this context, perhaps the gospel word is not so much how we need to be more like Peter and how we should have the kind of faith which walks on water. Perhaps the gospel for us at this time is to learn to stay together in the boat with a quiet, calm trust that waits for Christ to come and be with us. W.W. W. Finlater was the longtime famous pastor of Pullen Memorial Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina from the late 1950s till the early 1980s. Welton, I dare say, he was a hero to many of us. He was famous or infamous, depending on your politics, for <laughs> speaking at a labor organizing rally on a Saturday night, then coming in and preaching to his congregation on Sunday, Sunday morning, where just before the service started, some of his deacons received a phone call from the sheriff in a nearby county <laughs> talking about his union work the night before. The deacons were not happy. The sheriff was not happy. Or maybe Finlater would be in front in the front row of a civil rights march or joining a sit-in against Vietnam across the street from the church at North Carolina State University. Bill Finlater was gutsy, prophetic, and tough. Now, Mahan Siler followed Finlater as pastor of Pullen Church, and Mahan told me that as much as he admired Finlater, he realized that his task, Mahan's task, was not so much to go off and organize a protest or speak or uh, lead in a rally or, as you said, Welton, to be the church by himself. Mahan said his job was to lead and train Pullen Church so that when the rallies and the protests and the ministries all came along, the entire congregation would show up at the rallies and ministries and protests and marches. Not just one heroic pastor, but an entire courageous congregation. Now, Mahan knew that it took immense pastoral patience and day-to-day -day pastoral work to lead an entire congregation out of the safe harbors so they would sail into the storms, but that's the pastoral task. Jillian, I suggest that much of your vocation here is to lead this congregation to stay in the boat and keep rowing through the storms, to have the patience to keep on doing what Jesus has called to you, you to do and not give up and not give out and to not give in. Now, your job is not to lone ranger it. In Northminster, do not expect Jillian to go out there alone. You go together. You know the circuses where the little car drives up and the clown gets out and then about 15 others get out of the little car? That ought to be Jillian and Northminster Church. She drives up in a car or van and she gets out and they say, well, there's Pastor Jillian. And then all of a sudden, Northminster people just keep piling up out of the car. They just keep getting out. That's y'all. You pray together. You go together. You stand together. You serve together. You live out the way of Christ together. Staying in the boat. Now Matthew says, hush to the waves. 
And they do. At that moment, when all becomes strangely still, all is quiet and the storm has passed, that's when those disciples look at one another and look at Jesus and say, truly, you are the Son of God. Now by this time in the Gospel in Matthew, there's been all kinds of things going on. Confrontation with those in authority, healings, all various kinds of ministries and service. But here is the place they say, oh, and they worship him. They're able to say with one voice, truly you're the son of God. But being a pastor is helping a congregation to row out into the storm. Stick with it, not give up, wait on Jesus together. Then be prepared for Jesus so when he shows up, everyone in the boat will know who he is. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one true God, Mother of us all, amen.
As we put down a marker at this time in Northminster's journey, we offer these symbols as a means of illustrating the meaning of this occasion. Water. Throughout our journey, water has been a symbol of new beginnings from the chaotic waters of creation to the parting of the Red Sea as a path to freedom, to crossing the River Jordan into a land of promise, to baptizing in its flow centuries later. The waters are a part of our story. May you find your place in that flow and carry this congregation along with you. Candle. Christ is the light of the world. We are the light of the world. The church, in its most faithful incarnation, stands as a beacon on the hillside, casting the light of truth and love into the world. May the light of Christ illuminate your path as you lead. May you reflect that light in your own being, and may you equip us as a congregation to do the same. Fleur-de-lis. The fleur-de-lis symbolizes our partnership with Iglesia Bautista and Manuel in Ciego de Avila, Cuba, which has been an integral part of our spiritual journey almost since our beginnings as a church. We met with this then not yet constituted church, ourselves only a few years old, and it was love at first sight. Our goal from the outset has been to build bridges of new understanding, to see the gospel in action in our shared experience, and to support each other as one spiritual family. After its constitution as a church, Emmanuel adopted the fleur-de-lis as its symbol, signifying its unity with us, its Louisiana partner congregation. These bookends symbolize the anchors of that bridge of new hope that we continue to construct. Our Cuban family sends its blessings and expresses eagerness to bless you in person. The Stowe. Finally, Jillian, we present you with this unique stole as a symbol of your taking on the mantle of being our pastor. You will notice it's emblazoned with Northminster's mission statement, the exhortation from Micah to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. The stole was prepared, designed, painted and sewn in Vermont by the owner of Clapping Tree Stoles. The stole is made from recycled burlap coffee sacks, one from Brazil and the other from Colombia. When sending the stole, the maker wrote that she had chosen burlap from different countries so that we could be connected to as many hands as possible. The mantle is yours. Take it proudly but with humility. Will you all please stand? Jillian, do you accept this call to pastor Northminster Church 
and commit yourself to equipping these saints for the ministry of embodying God's love in the world? By God's grace, I do. Do you accept the call to walk alongside them as a shepherd through joy and sorrow, remembering all the while you are also a sheep in God's pasture? By God's grace, I do. Northminster Church, do you commission Jillian to be your pastor, committing to trusting her as a person of integrity and ability for this task? Do you commit to journey with her in discerning and continuing the mission and identity of this church? By God's grace, we do. Will you commit to support her and her family with respect and prayer, caring for them as fellow members of this body? By God's grace, we do. This moment marks the beginning of a new season in the lives of this pastor and the story of this congregation. With joyful hearts and hopeful spirits, let us consecrate this moment in thankful prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, hear our prayers. At times like today, we ask, what are you up to? You have been calling and preparing and working in and through Jillian and doing the very same with Northminster over these years, and now you call them together. What are you up to? What is it that you want to accomplish through this particular body of Christ at this time? Merciful and encouraging God, we know that storms are coming together. May Jillian and Northminster be an ark of salvation and healing, a boat of wholeness and hope in the storms of fear and uproar. Give us all the courage and patience to wait on you, to deepen our lives and you, and to stay in the boat and keep rowing and bailing and serving. And may this church, this body of Christ, with new pastor Jillian, be prepared so that when you come to them in the storms, they know who you are. Through Jesus Christ, amen. amen. You may be seated. Would you please join me in the Lord's Prayer? 
Our Father, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. On that night, that he was handed over while at supper with his friends, Christ gave us a pledge of love that does not go away with death. On that evening, he took bread, he gave thanks for it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat all of you. This is my body surrendered for you. And then when supper was over, he took a cup and he filled it with wine. He gave thanks for it. He shared it with them and said, take and drink all of you. This is the seal of the new covenant, my poured out life. I will drink this cup with you again at the table of joy in God's new day that is coming. And whenever you do these things, remember me.
before I offer the benediction, I want to say thank you all, our special guests, for being here. I am humbled by your presence. I am humbled by everyone who participated in all of the preparations and even the yoke that was worked into the flower arrangement. I don't know if you all noticed that in the children's sermon last week. There's a yoke up at the top. I am truly humbled. I am thrilled to be here. Eric and I feel like we have found our place. You're going to have to pry me out of here with a crowbar. We are so glad to be here. <laughs> Do please stay after lunch. I would love to be able to greet as many of you as possible. And as soon as the dam is over, please know that is your dismissal. Now hear this benediction. May God bless you with a distaste in superficial worship so that you will live deep within your soul. May God bless you with anger at prejudice so that you will work for justice. May God bless you with tears for those who sorrow so that you will offer comfort. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world. Go in peace. Yes, company of the apostles pray.